0: Do you ever feel like you don't know where to start when it comes to volunteer training? Don't have the time to record training videos? The brand new version of Ministry Grid has already done the work for you with over 750 courses for you to choose from. To help you get started right away, they even have created training pathways which provide volunteer, leader, director, and staff level training modules for each specific ministry area. Whether you're looking to train volunteers, teachers, or other leaders, you can use these pathways to equip all individuals within your church. With Ministry Grid, you can customize any training that you would like and add videos, PDFs, YouTube videos, and other content that you would like. And all this can be done right from your phone. Ministry Grid has been completely rebuilt to be made for mobile and train on the go. Now you can truly train anyone, anytime, and anywhere. Get started today at ministrygrid.com. Once again, that's ministrygrid.com.
1: Hey, my name is Josh, and this is EST. I'm joined by my co-host, Micah Fries, and Sam Rayner. How are y'all this morning?
2: Doing well. Displaced a little bit? Yeah, Displaced? Yeah, aren't you on? You're
1: not in your office. Yeah, see,
2: we're uh, we're renovating a little bit in the church. So Mm -hmm. when I walked in this morning, uh, my my office was a construction zone. So I am sitting on the third floor of the education building um, in a metal chair with... uh, a ladybug seat cushion so mm. I, I really don't know whose classroom this is but um <laughs> they like and, ladybugs but it's i have a, a ladybug, feeling that sam's a, gonna take the seat cushion
3: back to his office
2: <laughs> yeah it's a ladybug seat <laughs> cushion, and and it's a christmas it's got a table and it's got a christmas tablecloth on it and the manger scene is still up wow the, that's as awesome. of this recording we're, it's april
3: it's april is there and a Micah, Surfer Jesus in... picture on the wall though that's the question the fabio jesus picture no, we, is it on the wall
2: Surfer Jesus has been mysteriously disappearing at West Brayton all over <laughs> the last, church, you know, a few
3: years. It's, it's the rapture, Sam.
1: And Micah, you're in the, uh, the, the little tiny town of New York City, right?
3: I am, man. I'm actually, uh, yeah, I'm in Manhattan right now. Tell us about your view. Uh, <laughs> I'm in a hotel on the 29th floor looking at the Empire State Building as we speak. I can wow. look down from my window onto Broadway. Believe it or not, I had a different hotel farther out, and uh, for some reason, it was just, it, this is a Hampton Inn, and the price was a lot better. So I. What are you doing there? I didn't even ask. Uh, I've got a meeting with some folks tonight.
1: Oh, cool. Very good. All right, well, let's talk about... Is it a
2: meeting at Trump Tower?
3: <laughs> it is not a meeting at Trump Tower. <laughs> Are you meeting with Russians?
2: I'm, I apologize to anyone who just that. Are you
3: that. meeting with Russians? I am not um, that either.
1: It can't be proven. It cannot be yeah. proven. All right. So um, speaking of things that cannot be proven, let's talk about a topic that this was actually submitted online through a Facebook group by a guy named Darren Smith asking us about whether or not we should count online attenders. So a lot of churches now are doing Facebook Live. They're using Twitter's version of that. Instagram, I think, even has a version of that. So if you're publishing your sermons, um, the videos of your worship services, do you count the people who watch those? Another kind of caveat to that or question would be, do you count just live or maybe they watch them later and and you're, you're counting your view? And how should we think about our social media reach? What's y'all's first reaction to just the topic?
3: Yeah, so I think... Um let's be honest, what makes this a tricky question is, uh, what makes this a tricky question is maybe our pride. Yeah, I know, I know. (laughs) There's a few people who got the inside joke right there. (laughs) (laughs) But what makes this a tricky question is that, is probably our pride, frankly, okay? Hmm. It's always good to count every bit of our influence and reach at every level so that we know and so that we can maximize and so that we can assess our effectiveness but the big question I think that probably has been asked here is should those numbers be added to our worship attendance, which obviously gives us greater levels of prominence when we publish those numbers. Right, because that's that a statistic sense. that translates into pastor cred. Yeah, and so I'll tell you my opinion, and somebody can totally disagree with me. Sam, you're welcome to do that, or Josh, either one. I'm glad. Um, I think we absolutely ought to cast uh, to count every bit of our reach at every level, whether it's a live broadcast or Facebook Live. We actually do our, our services every week on Facebook Live and Twitter. Uh, we do. We, we actually, our guys just figured that out a few weeks ago. So we're broadcasting it on Twitter Live and on Facebook Live. Uh, so we count. We you, you ought to count everything. Mm-hmm. But I don't think they ought to be added to your attendance numbers. My personal mm-hmm. opinion: your attendance numbers are those who are in the room. Sam,
2: I actually agree with Micah for once. Hey, you know, I, I, I'm all about measuring things. So if you are, if it's worth doing, it's worth measuring, right? That's an old Amen. saying. That's here. right. And so if you're going to actually take the time to be in the digital world, yeah, just understand your reach. Understand, you know, what's who's out there and who's listening. I mean, that, that's just being a good steward of your, of your resources but at the same time the churches that count like their online viewers as mm-hmm. attendees yeah I'm, I'm not down with that I, I i think that's a bit shady
1: okay let me push a little bit harder into this if you don't count um you know member or person who is not in the building with you worshipping with you then why should it be okay for the pastor the preacher to not be in the building at a satellite campus <laughs>
2: <laughs> well, uh, now you're, getting off just topic. Like, you're getting off topic, No, top I'm not. No, I'm not.
1: I think that there's a value in presence, and so this is one of the reasons I push against the satellite preaching. I know that there's pragmatic reasons for it, but this is one of the reasons I push against it. So if we don't count dude not sitting in the the sea, why would we not count preacher not in the building? Well, yeah, I think— well, I, Go ahead. Go ahead,
2: Sam. I was just going to say, I, I'm actually not a fan of the video venue. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to go so far as to say that it's anti-biblical or unbiblical. Or, of course not. Yeah. The, you know that they're sinning if they, you know, preachers that do this might be sinning. You know, I don't, I don't think that at all. Uh, but I, I do believe that there's something about, um, you know, if you believe in quote unquote incarnational ministry and. Um, you know, just being among people in the way Christ was among people in the flesh. Yeah, I, I, you know, if you're going to take it to you know down the theology road, I, I, I think that you really knew, do need to have a live preacher in the room with the people. Um, I, if, if I were to—well, we're trying to go multi-site here at West Bradenton, haven't done it yet, but hopefully pull the trigger on that at some point. Uh, we're going to train up live preachers to go into these, ch- these campuses or churches that we plant and, and actually preach live, not on video venue. Mm. So— I'm a fan of live preachers at the same time. I mean, if it's a Band-Aid, and you know it's a Band-Aid, and it's like, hey, our ultimate goal is to have a live preacher in the room. We're just not ready to do that. We're going to put it on video for a season. I I don't have a problem with that. I I do have a problem with the complete strategy of everything's going to be video venue because it's driven completely by the personality, and whenever that personality goes away – um, the church is going to suffer because of it and, and you know that, I mean you just know that So um, as a complete Strategy, you know, where it's You're all in on video venue, I think that's a mistake I won't call it a sin, but I'll I'll just Say it's a mistake strategically um, I think live preachers are better
3: mm. Yeah. So, okay Um First, I'm I'm with Sam. I'm not a huge fan of video venue. Having said that, we do video venue pretty regularly at our church. Uh, It was that way when I got there, and there's a number of factors that require us to still do it some, um, and though we've moved away from it a little bit. So let me say that. Uh, But I I think it's apples and oranges that you're asking, Josh, to be honest with you. Um, I think... You're asking how many people do we count uh, in, in the sense of they're gathered together with the rest of the body for the purpose of growing in the image of Jesus. That's, uh, the pastor being on video or live is not a counting issue. I mean, it's, it's, not, it's not that it's a, a bad question. It's a good question. But I don't think it's, a, I don't think mm-hmm. it's equivalent to what, what we're asking with whether or not you count people who are online, if that makes sense.
1: Yeah, I, I'm not even – I don't even have an answer for it. It just kind of dawned on me while we were talking about it. And yeah. It kind of makes my brain smoke because well, I'm I mean, not I, sure
3: so how those
1: two would line up.
3: But I, but I would argue that ecclesia, uh, the idea of the church, you know, the original word for the church means gathered ones, right? The ones who are gathered mm-hmm. together. So you, you can't really be the church unless you're gathered. Um, mm-hmm. That's not the same thing as caruso or preaching or to proclaim, right, which is declaring the word, um, which mm-hmm. arguably you maybe could uh, I mean, the, there is an argument to be made that you don't have to be gathered for that to happen. So, Does that make sense? So, I, I think we're comparing apples to oranges. The question of whether or not live preaching versus video preaching is a good one, one that we ought to have, but I'm not so sure it's the exact one that relates to this topic of having people being counted if they're not present in the room.
1: Yeah, it may not be uh, entirely on topic there. I will say, because I didn't earlier, I wouldn't count it. I would I wouldn't count it the same. It's just a different number. Here's kind of the way I look at it is like your Easter attendance. It shows sort of a potential reach. You, so if you have, I don't know, if you run 100 people and you have 450 in Easter service, you have 450. You have a order. good
3: day is what you have. You have a great day. and um, <laughs> I was just going to say. That's, that's really good.
1: And, but there's, there's 350 people who are exposed to you, have some level of um, relationship to you. I wouldn't say that they respect you or submit to you or anything like that. But those are people worth reaching, reaching out to. So I just look at it as a step towards um, potential reach. So I would add it in different categories. We don't average in our Easter attendance on our overarching averages because it's just a different sort of number. Um, one of the qu- the comments that was brought up on the Facebook post about this in particular was, "Then do you count your shut-ins? How do you do that?"
2: Well, certainly they count the Kingdom of God. Sure,
1: but, but, <laughs> but, it, but attendance but you, wise, it's just seems no. It's how do you do that?
2: No, uh, your attendance number needs. To, here's the thing about attendance number: mm-hmm. your attendance number needs to be everyone counted once on site. So don't double count just because someone's in the choir for two services; they don't get mm-hmm. counted twice. Right, that's um, right. Everyone on, c- and by the way, that includes your children. Just don't double count your children if they're staying both and hours. And the children's right. workers,
1: yeah,
3: right. Yeah,
2: and your ch- everyone who's on site one time. Now, I, and I realize it's like you, you'll never get a perfect number because somebody's always in the bathroom or
3: mm-hmm. somebody
2: always gets double counted. But if you do it consistently, you'll start to see trends. And the reason that you want to know your on-site attendance is not because you want to brag about your numbers. It's because you want to know how to utilize your facility to the best its ability. So, you know, you want to be a good steward of your facility, and the only way you're going to be a good steward of your facility is to know, okay, how many people were in this room over time um, on any given Sunday or whenever you gather? So we count very carefully Wednesdays and Sundays because we want to know how to use our building, not because we want to brag about our numbers.
3: Yeah, I I think this is a really important point, Sam, Why do we count? Because Mm -hmm. before we ask the question of whether we should count, we have to ask the question, why do we count? Like, what's the point? And Mm -hmm. I, I fear that for many people, counting has almost everything to do with status or maybe affirmation. We've talked before about the weakness of the pastor, needing affirmation, you know, that sort of thing. And so numbers are often tied into our psyche. I would argue the reason we count is to gauge effectiveness and reach, influence, and impact and so in that sense yes we count everything but we count them uniquely and uh, as an attempt to not necessarily try and you know try and make our right. numbers look better because this isn't about affirmation this is about asking the question are we measurably are we measurably effective as a church
1: mhm and that 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 helps with other things besides just facilities although facilities is one of the most pressing issues there yeah. budget wise if you're trying to extend the impact of Let's say you know some very large church, or not even that large. Let's just say a smaller church is really working on their podcast. Which it was sort of joked that we should all count the number of our subscribers on our podcast for our church, and then th- that'll bump up our you know attendance a little bit there. But uh, actually,
3: true story, Josh. Uh, I mm-hmm. could I won't name the church, but I do know of a church who. Um,
2: it's so much more fun who, if you name the church. I'm not <laughs> going to. I'm not
3: going to do it. But I do know of a church that. Um, is an independent sort of church that took thumb drives with their sermon, their services on it, to local nursing homes, plugged yeah. it into the TV, and then counted that attendance as part of their worship attendance, yep. and then was oh. able to translate that into one of these lists of these large fast-growing churches in the country.
1: I've, and, I've got. Uh, I'll see your story and raise it a story. <laughs> oh, wow. I know a church that does a Bible study at um, prisons in our in our great state here. And counts every inmate, whether they came to the service or not, oh as my attenders. Gosh. <laughs> oh my word! Are, are you, and we got a lot of inmates up? in Texas. Are you, are you making that up? Dead serious. Dead serious. Oh my goodness! So um, they, they were. Yeah, Texas is a mind. big state. You got big. There's prisons. a lot of inmates. Here. There's a lot of folks. <laughs> they were doing the um, the nursing home thing as well. Uh, little Bible yeah. studies there, but they just they said, "Well, we don't really count who's all there. That's too tricky. So we just ask them, you know." Uh, how many how many patients or how many residents do you have? And then just counted all of them. In, so. Oh, my word. It's But, okay, so to go back on topic, you, you mentioned a great thing. There's influence and growing that influence. Then you've got facilities issues. For us, and I think this is what I was hitting on earlier, it is primarily a discipleship um, factor. So we've got this number of people uh, here. We also have a number for small group. We also have a number of our, uh, well, we do the disciples path pathway. So we've got that number as well. And we record all of this and, and analyze it in ways that says, how many are in our worship gatherings? Then compare that to how many are in our small group gatherings. We want those numbers, we want the small group gatherings to be larger than because of the way we think of discipleship. So it helps in that way, and it's manageable it's a factor. I'm not saying it's everything. We're not discipling every person that comes to our worship service. That cheapens discipleship. But again, but what you're doing you're
3: measuring effectiveness. Exactly. That's what you're doing. You're measuring
1: effectiveness. Exactly. So I think that you do count it, but then I I would feel like your goal should be plugging those people Okay, great, they're getting biblical teaching. That's good. But they also need community, or how else are they going to follow all the one another passages? How are they going to encourage one another, hold one another? They need that real, actual community. I'm not talking about a chat board. They need that where they're living life together. They, You, know, you want to get them to the point where they're sacrificially giving, sacrificially serving. All of those factors, I think, require a certain level of presence. Agree or disagree?
3: Yeah, I mean, agreed, but but you know, this goes to what what does um, successful church leadership look like? I mean, there's you know, a big question about faithfulness versus um, um, some sort of results driven idea, mm-hmm. and uh, and of course, you you know, you have people constantly going back saying, no, it's all about results, no, it's all about faithfulness. Tim Keller actually in his in his book Center Church. There's a really good explanation here, and I'm going blank on the specific phrase that he uses. Oh, he uses fruitfulness. That's a big book, by the way. It is a big book. It's a good book. Uh, But he uses the concept of fruitfulness, which he believes is a hybrid of um, seeing some sort of results from our ministry and faithfulness. So it's trying to balance, yes, we are are to be faithful, but if all we exclusively focus on is faithfulness, it may not matter to us at all whether or not anybody's life has ever changed, as long as Mm -hmm. we're just consistent Uh, Those who focus exclusively on results, uh, you know, faithfulness may fall to the wayside. And so he's trying to argue for a hybrid of the two. And I like that point. I think we should care about numbers. I think we should care about how many people are coming, how many people are hearing the gospel. I I don't know why we wouldn't care about those things. That seems mind boggling to me that that wouldn't matter. But that can't be the exclusive concern of our hearts. And we've got to make sure that we're not sacrificing doctrinal fidelity and discipleship and holiness and, and, you know, and faithfulness along the way. Right. You just want to make sure
1: you're putting the emphasis on the right cell level. That's what you want to do. And if you're just worried about the big
3: group, then this you're not. Doing Sam it. is he speaking? It took me a second to. Is he speaking Texan? Is that what's happening? I'm curious what's going I think, on. I uh, think
1: that must be the case. The stuff yes. my ag teacher would say all the time. There's oh, other oh, ones, but word. I can't say them. But that was that's the cleanest one.
3: <laughs> just little phrases like that. Texas ag you're teachers, put, man. I'm telling you. I know. Um.
1: So. Then I think that we could all agree, or I would guess what your view on these other things is because there's new, as technology expands and grows, et cetera, you've even got completely online churches. That's what they're kind of claiming. And um, that's right. And so the fault in that would be what? Why is it not a valid well, church? I
3: mean, my, okay, so let's. Uh, <laughs> I would argue it's not an ecclesia. Because Ecclesia requires a gathered presence, and, and, mm-hmm. and, I mean, they're not physically gathered together. I know we've got friends who would disagree with us on this, and so that's why we do have campuses at Brainerd. We don't have an online campus. We do have an online ministry. We do have online reach, but it's not an online campus. Why? Mm-hmm. Because they're not gathered. But I, you yeah,
2: know. I mean, if you have email, you have online reach. And that's exactly right. right. I mean, so I, that's right. To, to the person who would Frankly, a phone
3: is not that much different. <coughs> if you're a
2: Luddite, I mean, I guess— you know that you are what you are, but if you if you even have email, you're you're somehow dabbling into the the, the digital world. Mm-hmm. That's right. Um, so every church likely has some some form of digital reach. Mm-hmm. Um, the question is, how do you utilize it? And you know, is it is it you know, if you're talking about people watching you know online, is that an actual church? I'm with Micah. I don't. Right. I would not call an online church a church. I call right. it an online ministry, which may be a valid ministry, but not but not a church.
1: Right. I yeah. think it just cheapens real—we There, we just need to emphasize, and this is something that we can do as pastors and preachers, is to emphasize the ministry of presence and being with people, actually with them, standing with them. We all know, and it's often joked about, that you may have 2,000 Facebook friends, but you don't actually have 2,000 friends and there's a, we've we've made words and i'm not even that worried about making words change words change their meanings change all the time so that's not that big of a deal like the word reckless can mean something and then eventually it evolves so no sense in getting all upset about that but the words like friends are the concept of friend and being a friend to somebody has changed with facebook quite literally but this whole concept of church what it means and if you count i think if you count an online campus and like you said mike we have friends that disagree with us then you've just boiled the idea of church down to a strictly um receiving sort of like i get, somebody preaches at me therefore i went to church or i'm part of a church and that's not that's not the essence of church it's not the point of church and we've we've preached about that forever. For millennia that you don't just sit here and get taught at and then do nothing with this and don't relate to one another and sacrifice for one another. Yeah, I think so we've that kind of messed up the word church.
3: There is, a, I think that is, um, I think that's a good point, Josh. I think, uh, first of all, the one another is in scripture. I mean, there's so many references to that. And I know those who argue for online could say, well, we are together. We're on, you know, we're one another. But I, I would argue that online church, if you will, is almost an exclusively consumeristic, materialistic way Mm -hmm. to view church. Not only is it just—I mean, it it can be more than just sitting and learning. I mean, it could motivate you to do something, but it can't really motivate you to do something uh, together with the other believers. That's just generally not a possibility, unless it somehow translates into physical presence. And I would argue the New Testament model is a physical together presence sort of— you know, progressing in the gospel sort of model, and Mm -hmm. so I I just don't know how you do that in an online forum.
2: And and just from a practical standpoint, um, Mike, I know you're covering more of the biblical theological perspective, but just from a practical standpoint, what online-only community has thrived and has uh, benefited society, right? I mean— I, I, I'm all about social media. I, I love tech. I love all that. But I mean, let's just look at things that are online only, like Twitter, Facebook, and there's some right. positive things that are there. But there's also a lot of hurt and damage. And I guess you could say this, the same thing for people in you know in a church, you know, in physically general. gathered. <laughs> but mm-hmm. but the potential for harm in an online-only church is, I think, greater than people who are actually face-to-face because the anonymity of online creates a certain toxic culture that can be present. And Mm -hmm. I don't know that that's going to be really helpful for the church if if we start creating these online-only churches, if that makes sense. Right.
1: It's not to say it doesn't have value. So if you think of things like – and I know you all are agreeing with this – but if you think of things like um, government – throw you know these takeovers where the populace has risen up and they've organized via twitter and then they've risen up against their governments and stuff like that those were good results or at least in their minds they were good results and so that sort of stuff is good so there is a value to what mike has been calling our influence and our reach and those sort of things but then it's got to translate into actual action that happens in presence together and being together and those sort of things that would translate into a good work Or a church work. I think also, you know, one of the things that I always teach is that the small group, one of the things about the small group is that you see the gospel. You hear it, but then you also see it. And the way that you see it is, in my small group we just a few weeks ago we we made the comment i wouldn't be friends with any of you apart from this we wouldn't naturally run in the same circle that was
2: really nice of you yeah well it was <laughs> it
1: was within context um and if and it, they wouldn't be friends with me we wouldn't if naturally it for church, run in i numbers. wouldn't be it wouldn't
2: be any of your friends but
1: that's the truth if it weren't for you can say truth or you can say church but i was talking about the gospel if it weren't for the gospel we wouldn't be together. We don't run in the same circles. We don't have the same interests. We don't. But there's this bond that we have, where we truly feel connected to one another, and it's not just a feeling. Like we literally support one another, encourage one another, pray for one another, um, pay bills. You know, stand in the hospital with them because of the gospel, and that transcends that. That presence together across all sorts of differences is how you see the. Um, the gospel played out in people's lives. And I think you see that over and over again in scripture as well.
2: So (laughs) augmented reality.
3: Yeah, that's the next thing that's coming. We're going to have to deal with like augmented reality, holographic pastors. I mean, all of that's coming soon.
2: Those are are all jokes right now. Right. But augmented realities. Well, I I know there's churches that are attempting to do some things with it but uh you know augmented reality is going to be a real thing um you know i, I you're going to put some special glasses on and mm-hmm. you you're know mechanics to somebody your mechanics are going to have all of their tools like right there on their on their head with the glasses and they're going right. to see through the engine and um you know it, this is a very real thing mm-hmm. that uh, that that it's all games right now so how does that affect the church does it affect the church I, i'm assuming that some cutting edge church will will present some form of augmented reality in its services so what does that look like
1: so the last lunar eclipse this actually kind of crossed my mind i was asking several people it just it just popped in my brain somebody had taken a picture of the lunar eclipse with their phone and if you've ever tried to take i don't care what phone you have if you've ever tried to take a picture of the moon with your phone it just Mm -hmm. it's it just does not work yeah and so i asked him i said um is it the same and I said, what do you mean? I said, so if you see the lunar eclipse, you stand outside and you see it with your own eyes, and um, and then I show you a picture of it, the exact same one. Is it the same? And they're like, no. And I said, what is the difference? How do you measure that difference? Why is it so much better? What? And none of us could actually articulate the difference, the the measurable, quantifiable difference, in looking at it on a phone and looking at it in the sky. And I said, whatever that difference is, that's the value of being in presence with people. Whatever, However you describe it, that's the difference of not just looking at it on a screen or somehow identifying with it from a distance but actually being with it or with the people or with the church or with a small group that really helps. And so um, that's a way to think about it. I'm not saying it's definitive. It's just something that got me thinking about this quite a while ago whenever the last Lunar Eclipse was. So any other topics to, or any other... It's kind of a we all had a straight answer to it, but you know, talking about it.
3: Any yeah, other but I mean, I think ideas? it's. A, I think it's. Go ahead, Sam. I
2: was just gonna say, I feel pretty firmly about about this, and and as somebody who loves technology and loves forward progress and all the different things that science can do, I mean, I I'm I'm a fan of all of that. I I think the church that in order for it to stand the test of time, it, it requires presence. Um, so yeah, utilize these tools for reach and for ministry, but you you can't neglect the gathering of the saints. If a church does yep. not gather, a church ceases to exist.
3: Mm. There tends to be one of two responses in the church to something like new technology. Uh, there are those, I still remember probably 15, 20 years ago, people saying that WWW stood for 666. And so the, the internet, I remember this long <laughs> argument about how the internet was the Antichrist. And uh, so there are those that do that. It like, oh is. my gosh well, there's, there are, there's an argument to be made or there are those who are like, sure. you know, with absolute unquestioned interest and loyalty, just totally embrace it. And it becomes the new be all end all. I think the truth of the matter is we just stand someone in the, in the middle. Uh, you know, this is probably similar to the question that was being asked when TV was introduced, probably being asked when radio was introduced. Um, it's a tool, as Sam press said. Press it's an caused asset. A
2: little bit of an uproar.
3: Mm. It did, and yeah. and the church is the one that was leading out in that, right? I mean, the Gutenberg press. Oh, I oh mean, yeah, e- yeah. I mean, we we were leading leading out in, in taking the Bible and making it a common man's sort of uh, book. So, I mean, it, look, let's not be let's not be as as you said, mm. Sam. Let's not be Luddites. Let's let's recognize that technology is a valuable asset. Let's use it, but let's don't think that it's a replacement for the church absolutely i think we can all agree on that another thing
1: that we can all agree is that we would love to see everybody in dallas in october for our est conference we're going to hang out at the beautiful macarthur boulevard josh are you buying us are you buying everyone tickets to the cowboys game um in in october well yeah um no no i'm not gonna do that (laughs) i love how
3: long it took you to answer that question such a nice guy just like well maybe you know (laughs) well you know
1: um because unlike church you can watch nfl on your own television and it's better it's better and it's cheaper and so there's all that um so um excited about that you can get more information online on our twitter about the EST conference, it's quite a ways away, so just kind of be planning for it. October fourth, October 4th, October Thursday,
2: 4th. October fourth.
1: Thursday, right. October fourth. You can um, go to the conference and still be back in time to lead your church in presence, bodily there with them. And so that'll be
3: that'll be fantastic. A Thursday's is a listen. great day of the week for pastors to come to a conference. It right? really is. It really is it a really great is. day to come. No, no, it's
2: a great day for them to come to our conference,
3: not just any conference, the EST conference. Well, the great thing about this conference, I'm going to do this, is uh, you can fly in and fly out same day. Don't even have to use a hotel. Like That's right. Get up in the morning. It'll be early. Get up in the morning. Catch a plane. You're there. Leave in the evening. You're home. Beautiful. Yeah. Sleeping and in your own And before we... Before we sign off, I do want to
1: mention that this topic, um, as we already pointed out, was um, submitted by Darren Smith. It was submitted on a Facebook group called The Baptist Review, which is not ours. Um, So I just wanted to give them a little bit of um, credit for that. So thanks for letting us kind of ask that question there. And all of the feedback that we were getting on this question was was quite interesting our next episode we're going to be covering kids in the worship service and whether and you know kind of how to deal with that whether or not to deal with that i I know some people that just don't so um join us next week as we talk about this idea of kids in the worship service thanks for listening You've been listening to EST, a discussion for the established church. Make sure to follow us on Facebook and Twitter, as well as subscribe, rate, and review on iTunes, Google Play, or your favorite podcatcher. Thanks for listening.
0: Support for EST is provided by Southeastern Baptist Theological Seminary. The mission at Southeastern Baptist Theological Seminary is to glorify the Lord Jesus Christ by equipping students to serve the church and fulfill the Great Commission. The school is located in Wake Forest, North Carolina and offers more than 40 different degree programs ranging from Associate of Divinity to Doctor of Philosophy. With more than 3,400 students enrolled, Southeastern trains future and current ministry leaders to lead effectively, study the word diligently, and preach the gospel unashamedly. Learn more about Southeastern by visiting www.sebts.edu and come check out our campus to see how you can join the Southeastern family and learn how to go to reach your community, your nation, and your world. Wherever you're going, Southeastern Eastern will help you get there.